Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. Fucking computer just gave out. So mad. (laughs) (laughs) She has had so many computer issues where her mic just is not being recognized for whatever reason. It happened at the beginning of our Judith Barcy episode, which I was just in the process of editing before this, and... It took us half an hour that time. This seven only took us about like 10 minutes at most. So eventually. Because I went and got my other computer. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually we'll figure out what's what's happening here. I think it's fine with this one. I think it's the old one. But I am going to pull out a savings and I'm by myself a fucking iMac. Yeah, you might as well. That's what I'm going to record off of. (laughs) You might as well because the other laptop's clearly like, no, I'm going out to pasture. Say goodbye. Literally. (laughs) Well, I've had it. It's a Lenovo. I hate Lenovo. <laughs> uh, if there are any Lenovo stands listening, I guess I'm Fuck sorry. Fuck you guys. I don't Your know. Computer like, sucks I, ass. I don't know why you would be a Lenovo stand. I I don't think I've ever had a Lenovo. Actually, now well, that I think suck, about it. Well, they suck. So I've don't had, get one. <laughs> I've had Dell, and Dell wasn't that great. And then oh, I had, Dell sucks. Yeah, and then I have an HP now, and I really like that one. Well, I texted your sister Amanda before I bought mine. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I love it. I was yeah. like, okay, cool. She was like, well, it's like a love-hate relationship because you got to buy everything Apple. Yeah. I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely the hard part is like you have all of the cables and all that stuff that you have for the other. Com- I mean, it's the same with every laptop company now, I think, like with chargers. They're all like laptop specific, which is really annoying. But I mean, Apple does it too, so... It is what it is. Yeah. So after this episode, I'm just pulling out my savings and I'm going to buy an iMac to record. You might as well, right? Over it. (laughs) We, what is this episode? This is Brittany's episode. So Brittany, you decided. Mount Everest bites. So you decided. It's not really true crime. Yeah, it's a different route, but I mean, it involves dead bodies. So I think it's still within the same realm. And arguably, Fun fact, this was gonna be a bonus episode for yeah. the Patreons, but then I was like, everybody should listen to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, and I I thought it was intriguing enough that everybody should listen to it as well. So we're, yeah, I don't know. I think I think you guys will enjoy it. It's not necessarily true crime, although I have to question anybody who decides to climb Mount Everest. <laughs> question there. Sorry, if you morals. are planning on climbing, um. I have, I have questions about yeah. it because I don't know what you're wanting from me. Yeah, just d- don't do it. Especially after you listen to this episode, it's it's not going to be worth it. Just just don't do it. So just um, don't do it. We're gonna, I guess, go ahead and roll right into that. Um, Brittany, take it away. Okay. <laughs> so actually, did you know Mount Mount Everest is in Asia? Yeah, I did not. I don't know where I thought it was, but I didn't think it was in Asia. (laughs) It's on the border of Nepal and China. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever. I I, I knew that, but yeah, I I know where that one and Mount Kilimanjaro are. Mount Kilimanjaro is in Africa, right? Yeah. I only know that because of the Toto song. Oh, and then Mount St. Helens, just because that one exploded. That was in Greece, right? No, that was that one's Pompeii, um, Mount Vesuvius. Mount St. Helens is in Washington, I believe. It's like Pacific Northwest area. Oh, I didn't know we yeah. had a mountain. I mean, I knew we had mountains, but not like a mountain mountain. Well, it was a volcano, so. 
yeah, it was it was a whole thing. But wait, yeah. anyway, <gasps> Pompeii would be a good bonus episode. Okay, sorry. Agreed, and I love Pompeii, so I will do that one. Okay, you did that one. Okay, okay. okay. So Mount Everest is located in the. How do you pronounce this? Uh, Mahalingar Himal. Okay. Himal. <laughs> Subrange of the know. Himalayas. The China and Nepal borders run across its peak. So on one side, it's in China. On the other side, it's in Nepal. So Mount Everest is one of only 14 mountains over 8,000 meters above sea level. So at 8,848.6 meters or 29,129 feet above sea level, it earns two titles. The tallest mountain in the world and the largest open air graveyard in the world. Which one is the Damn. better title? Um, I would highly say the first one. The yeah, second probably. one's very morbid. It is morbid. <laughs> that one's very morbid. So climbing at this height and level is incredibly strenuous on the body, especially on like the heart and lungs. And mm-hmm. as of January 2021, 305 people have died while attempting to summit Mount Everest. If you don't know what summit means, it's the highest point of a hill or a mountain. So two out of three people that have climbed Mount Everest or who have died on Mount Everest are still there. So their body like two-thirds of the bodies are still on Mount Everest. So this is confirmed by the Himalayan database. As of January 2021, there have been 10,184 successful summits of Everest. So out of those 10,000 successful summits, it's been summited by 5,739 individuals. So some of them did it obviously more than once. All since Mm -hmm. 1953 when climbers Edmund Hillary and Tizing Norgay, Norgay? Tenzing Norgay. Okay, Tenzing Norgay scaled the summit for the first time. That is a 3% death rate for Everest summits and a 5% death rate by individuals, which means every 20 people that have summited, one person has died. That's a high statistic, damn. Yes, I know. Like, again, I reiterate, is it really worth it? (laughs) Clearly, to 5,000 people, it is. So... Because of the extreme, extreme and harsh conditions of the mountain, bringing back down a body that has fallen is nearly impossible. So for the same reasons it killed the people going up, retrieving the body is the same reason why they can't do that. So a retrieval of the body requires a coordination from a team, very good weather conditions, and it costs anywhere from 40000 to 80000 just to retrieve a body. One body. God damn. That's a down payment on a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, ugh. Okay, so at the top portion of Mount Everest, so everything above 26,000 feet is known as the death zone. And at the death zones, the oxygen levels are only one third of what they are at sea level. So the higher you go up to Everest, the less oxygen you have available to climbers. So the barometric pressure causes weight to feel like 10 times heavier. So this is where people start succumbing to exhaustion, like their backpack, their gear and stuff. Plus you gotta think everybody's like, in heavy winter gear trying to stay warm yeah the combination of these two things can make climbers feel sluggish disoriented and fatigued climbers usually don't do not last longer than 48 hours in the death zone so once you hit the death zone your body literally start dying you're losing like you have less oxygen that's going to your brain your body is literally dying so in most populated areas 20 percent of the air is made up of oxygen Above 6,000 meters, it drops to about 10%. And above 8,000 meters, the oxygen level drops down to 8%. At around 8,000 meters, the body cannot acclimatize itself. I did very good at that. Thank you. Um, (laughs) 
So, and the death zone, the body is literally dying of hypoxia. So, if you don't know what a hypoxia is, hypoxia is an absence of enough oxygen in the tissues to sustain the bodily function. When the body is suffering from hypoxia, the lungs are working overtime. There's a massive increase in heart rates and the blood thickens. And if the blood thickens, it's harder to pump. Therefore, causing, yeah. causing a domino effect of the body dying. Yeah. So, Ugh. going into that... <laughs> That's not a fun way to die. Like, ooh. I guess it's like the attention, or not the attention, but the thrill of it. Yeah, and the notoriety. Like people who skydive. Yeah, and also just the notoriety of like, I climbed Mount Everest, yeah. How many people can you name off the top of your fingers that have climbed Mount Everest? Literally nobody. Successfully. That's don't. what I'm saying. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's, not saying that if I, you don't climb it, it's not cool, but like, Jesus, at what cost? Yeah. Again. Is it worth it? (laughs) Okay, so eyesight will then become blurry, and then it's followed by nausea, dizziness, and migraines. And it's been reported that 32% of climbers that that reach 7,500 meters and higher are recorded to have suffered from hallucinations during the climb. So not only they're dying of hypoxia, they're seeing, like, demons and shit. Yeah, I I wonder how many people who have reached the death zone who have started hallucinating have actually like attacked one of the people that they were with. Like, ooh, that's a good question. That, I didn't even think about that. Thinking that they that it was like some sort of like bear or something, you know, or a monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good thought. So altitude sickness can also occur in the death zone. Um, so that occurs when a climber is moving at high altitudes and requires acclimatization to the to combat it, which it can't do that at that level because of the lack of oxygen. And so mm. then they start losing the loss of their brain function. They have confusion and vomiting. And when I say vomiting, they're vomiting blood. No, no thanks. So like, that's just all within the death zone. And that's like closer to the peak, obviously. So. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about some famous bodies. Okay. So, I think this is one of the mo- more famous of Oh, them. yeah. I've, Green I've heard of this one. Mm-hmm. So, he died in 1996. Um, a corpse fallen on, mount- on the mountain given the nickname Green Boots due to the br- bright green climbing boots he was wearing when he died. He's believed to be um, Teswang Paler? 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 I... I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, well, that's, he was an Indian climber who attempted this to the summit with a team in 1996, and he was caught in the part of Everest disaster, which killed eight climbers on the mountain and some suffering from frostbite. So Everest disaster was like one of the worst winter storms, winter blizzards to have hit Mount Everest mm-hmm. in 1996, and it took out like eight people. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of people that climb, but... Yeah, that was that's, a lot. That's, yeah, that's a high body count for a mountain, especially in like one one day. Mm-hmm. So um, that day, there had been like a holdup from fixed lines not being placed ahead of time in certain points. So like that goes, you have to like fix it as it goes, and then it takes longer, especially when you get to the peak, because when you get to the mm-hmm. peak, every minute counts. Yeah. But a fast-moving blizzard had hit multiple groups on the mountain and reduced the visibility to zero. So it was, like, pitch black and a blizzard. Um, And it hit at, like, 2 o'clock in the day. Yeah. So the blizzard had inspired 
uh, books Into the Air, The Climb, and A Day to Die For, as well as the 2015 film Everest. But side note, I watched that movie just to like see. It's a very good, very good. You should watch it. Yeah, it's $3 yeah, she, to she, rent. She keeps telling me to watch it, and I <laughs> I meant to watch it before we started recording, and I forgot. So. Great. <laughs> it's like two hours long, but it's really good. Pauzer's body was moved in uh, 2014 along with several others. It was reported that a group of Chinese climbers moved and buried some of the bodies under rocks or, like, out of sight, out of respect. And that's yeah. kind of happening with a lot because they can't take them back down. So mm-hmm. they try to move them out of eyesight. So uh, I put... 2016 bus actually you mean um, 2006 yeah i didn't mean to do that okay so in 2006 david sharp joined green boots in the same cave so david had decided to climb mount everest alone with no sherpa and no radio which is highly recommended against a sherpa is just like a highly regarded mountaineer that ex uh who is like an expert in their local area but it's believed that David had actually successfully summited and then stopped in the cave on his way back down to like rest. But at that point, he like he was exhausted. So over the next several hours, David ultimately froze to death with his body stuck in a huddle position. And like that's how people saw him. Like he was just like hugging his knees, bent down, just be like a terrible way to freeze because I know your back's yeah. hurting. Well, I mean, I don't think that's I don't think that's the biggest concern when you're freezing to death. But, <laughs> um, but he was actually like like within feet, only feet away from like green boots. So, mm-hmm. green boots had actually gone unnoticed as he died because there was limited climbers on during that time when he died. David had mm-hmm. been passed by at least forty climbers that day, and it's reported that none of them stopped to offer him help. As he sat there dying. So that was like a big thing. But you got to think. Every minute counts. And yes, they should help him get back down. But if they're already starting to be exhausted. And they see a man who's already starting to freeze. Uh, Yeah. As they're going back down. Yes, you should try to help. But at the same time, at what point do you stop? Before it overcomes you. I get that. I guess for me, it's just like. I mean, maybe on the way up, you should have been like, but then at that point, they're like 80,000. Damn, do I want to stop? Because this man's coming. Like, he's not to sound selfish. I mean, I would definitely try to help. Like, if you make it that far. No, I I get it. But at the same time, it just, it feels like the bystander effect. You know, like, oh, somebody else is going to help him or something. Well, and these people were in groups. It's not just like one one or two people yeah. passing him. So some of the climbers claim to have not seen him as they made their ascent and descent, which is fair because Green Boots was laying out in the open. David was like further into in the, the cave. cave so unless yeah. you were looking, you're not going to see him. And another mm-hmm. group had noticed him, but they assumed he had just been resting there. But the same group came back down to find David still in the cave. But at this point, he was suffering from hypothermia. He was without oxygen and suffering from frostbite and frozen limbs. So just real quick, hypothermia is a significant and potentially dangerous drop in the body temperature. Um, And frostbite is just an injury caused by freezing of the skin and underlying tissues. But when you start suffering from this stuff, like you you can't speak or talk, like all your energy is trying to keep yourself warm. A different team had now passed David on their descent, and in the state he was in, he was unable to speak or stand. So, I mean, what are they supposed to do? Roll him down the hill? Yeah, at that point, he's probably a lost cause, which sucks to say because it's like he's still alive. But, like, he he would have died before he got back down. 
Yeah, and he also went up there with no radio, no Sherpa, and didn't tell anybody. So, I mean, I'm not saying he asked for it at all. I'm not victim blaming mm-hmm. at all, but like at the same time, he put himself in that predicament. Yeah. This is a quote from Sir Edmund Hillary. If you have someone who is in great need and you are still strong and energetic, then you have a duty really to give all you can to get that man down and getting to the summit becomes very secondary. I think the whole attitude towards climbing Mount Everest has become rather horrifying that people just want to get to the top. They don't care for anybody else who may be in distress. And it doesn't impress me at all that they leave someone lying under a rock to die. Uh, Sir Edmund Hillary told that to the New Zealand Herald after the news of David Sharp's death came out because it highly criticized, like, Mount Everest climbing. Yeah. And I agree with that to some level. Yeah. But if you're already on the way back down, you're already running low on oxygen, you're already exhausted, you're trying to get yourself, you can't really worry about somebody who's... Well, and that's the thing it seems like saying... Well, and that's the thing it seems like he's saying is that if you're going up and you see it, then you getting to the top shouldn't be your main priority. It should be, oh, this person needs help. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if they're already on their descent, then at that point, they're not strong and energetic. They're going to be thinking more about getting themselves back out of the death Mm -hmm. zone so that they don't Mm -hmm. meet the same fate. I'm not saying like leave somebody there to suffer. Yeah. But what at, at what point do you turn around? Like, do you save yourself? At yeah. what point becomes too far? Yeah, that's it's it's kind of it's kind of like on an airplane when they tell you that you have to put your own mask on before you help the person next to you. So, yeah, I, I definitely get like I get both sides of that because it's like I'd like to think that if I were in that situation, I would have stopped to help. But yeah, but at you the also same don't time, know. it's like when you're in that position, like you don't know for sure if that's how you're actually going to respond. Yeah. It's like when you get asked the question, do you save the 40 people on the train or do you save mm-hmm. the one person on the train tracks? Yeah. It's like, I mean. Somebody's going to die either <laughs> yeah. way. Either way. <laughs> so. But I also have to think, if you're, if they climb Mount Everest, you have to assume that they have accepted the possibility of death. Yeah. And that's why I think, like, I don't know. Like, I don't I'm not know saying why. they want to die, but they've no, accept but they've come to that, the realization that they might. I would hope so, because I would hate that somebody would go into climbing Mount Everest thinking that they're invincible. But I, oh, I that noticed because it's like I noticed that sort of mentality, especially in younger people, like young adults and teenagers, is the idea that nothing can touch them. And I say that yeah. as somebody who is a young adult and it's, it's not with everybody, obviously, but it's like, especially with teenagers, like that's where like the recklessness comes in. It's like, well, they... I was going to say, when you have that mentality, you're not taking into consideration the steps to keep you from getting un- mm-hmm. from not getting hurt. You just assume that it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. I say that as somebody who got shot. Yeah. <laughs> but see, you didn't put yourself in a situation to get shot. You just That's happened fair. to get I, shot. <laughs> I just happened to get shot. <laughs> Which sucks. But yeah, it's it's pew, pew. like with things That's like America. this. Just, <laughs> yeah, very true. No, I told my friend, she lives in the UK. I was like, I've never had a bloody nose, but I've been shot. That's America <laughs> for you. <laughs> You're not wrong. I've never had a bloody nose for real. Kind of mad. Everybody has one. I want to. Yeah, I join in on the many. fun. I I would gladly give you my next bloody nose. Okay, I just but want to feel what it's like. It's it's not just fun. Experience. 
I know, Especially- but I want to experience it like a normal human being. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it's, I would hope that people come to accept the idea that they might not come back from that and that they kind of like get their affairs in order just in case. But yeah, especially because you said it was, what was it, like two thirds or, or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Two thirds like of the body. That is a high number of people dying to say that they've climbed Mount Everest. Like two thirds of, the, I, it's of not, the bodies left there to five percent. Okay, yeah. It's, uh, it's one out of every twenty climbers. Yes. So but that's still a lot. Like, that's that is a lot. Like that mm no thanks. <laughs> so David's body was removed from the cave in 2007 as requested by the family, but he was only removed from, like, visibility. He's still on the mountain. We just don't know where. Mm-hmm. They're probably just, like, pushing him further back in the cage. Okay, yeah. this one's a doozy. This is George Mallory. That he name actually... sounds familiar. Okay, he was a famous mountaineer at the time. Um, he actually died in 1924. But in 1999, George Mallory's body was found 75 years after his 1924 death. Oh, damn. The body was uncovered by the snow due to an unusually warm spring that year. And to this date, George Mallory is the oldest known body to be found on Mount Everest. And it is, like, almost perfectly preserved. I think that's wow. dope. I mean, that is I mean, cool. not dope, but, like, I think it's cool. Like, he died in 1924, and his body is, like, almost perfectly preserved. Yeah, and, and that's kind of... It's kind of like um, in Pompeii, too, like, with, with the ash, how it, like... You can still, like, see the outlines of these bodies. And I think when they, like, examine it, like, the bo- like the skeletons and stuff, like, they're, they're in there. Like, so it's... Yeah, it's, it's always amazing to me how nature kind of, like, works that way. It is believed that George Mallory had attempted to be the first person to climb Mount Everest, but he had disappeared before anybody could find found out like if he actually reached his goal. But he was okay. Listen, he was dressed in a tweed suit, (laughs) a tweed snowsuit. Do you know how heavy that is? That is a terrible choice. I'm sure that's all they had at the time. But tweed in the snow, 1924. Blue jeans. Yeah. Like, let me just stroll on up there in my blue jeans and t-shirt and baseball yeah. cap. You know? <laughs> and then he was, like, his body was surrounded by climbing equipment and oxygen bottles. Oh, and you have to have, like, bottled oxygen to get up to the peak in the death zone. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So a rope injury around his waist led others, like, people who found him to believe that he had been roped to another climber when he fell from the side of a cliff. Um, But it's still unknown to this day whether Mallory actually reached the top or not. It's widely believed that he did, and he died coming back down. So, a lot of people like to think Mallory's actually the first person to summit Mount Everest, but he's not the first person to do it successfully. That was Sir uh, Edward Hillary, Edmund Hillary, and his climbing partner. Gotcha. They successfully did it and came back down and lived to tell the tale. I think they're dead now, but I don't know. Yeah. Don't really look. Their bodies aren't about Everest. They're not yes. about this. <laughs> this isn't about so, them. <laughs> this is uh, Hanlor Schmatz in 1979. I think I did really well. She's German. Mm-hmm. I pronounced that. I'm getting better, guys. I promise. <laughs> I like was typing this and practicing how to like pronounce these names. I'm not even joking. I'm proud of you. So Hanlor and her husband Gerard 
who were both exa- uh, experienced mountaineers, traveled to Everest to attempt the summit. On their final ascent, uh, they have split into two different groups. Gerard left the fr- Okay, so this is where my problem lies. Why would you split into two different groups and leave yeah. your wife in the other group? Because like, I'd be like, Chris, uh-uh, you go and come with me. <laughs> maybe they, together. Well, maybe they'd gotten into an argument. They're like, you know what? I can't look at you. Like, I'm going with group one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, you never split into groups. Like, you, you don't do that. Watch a horror movie. God. Well, I think when you get, to, like, so far up, you have to split into groups because that's yeah. a lot of people attempting. Um, And then you have to think, like, the ice is probably yeah thin in some places. So they split into groups so the Sherpas can attend. But yeah. my point is, the husband and wife split into two different groups, and I don't mm-hmm. like that. So Gerard led the first group up to the top and returned successfully back down to Camp 3. Hanlor's group was second, and they um, but despite Gerard's warnings to stay at camp due to spotting terrible weather coming their way, they went instead. So it's like a blizzard coming. Yeah. So Group 2 actually reached the summit successfully, but they ran into trouble coming back down. We'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Conlor and one other climber had like reached the point of exhaustion and they wanted to set up camp for the night, but they were still in the death zone. And there was still a blizzard. So, I mean... Not not great conditions. But, like I said, you only survive, like, 48 hours tops in the desert. Yeah. Like, you want to get back down. Yeah. But despite warnings from their Sherpa, they set up camp where they stopped. And Hanlor actually survived the snowstorm that hit, but the other climber died throughout the night. So, the rest of the group continued on the way down. But just as they were nearing camp... Hanlor, like, finally just gave up. She succumbed to exhaustion, and she had frostbite, and she sat down, and she's asking for water. Um, One of the Sherpas, actually, like, that was with the group, stayed with Hanlor to try and help her. But he suffered from frostbite as a result, and he actually lost most of his toes and a finger. Also, why would you want to lose little limbs? Why would you want to do that? Come on. You need fingers. (sighs) Yeah. I have questions. Well, I don't think he was intentionally trying to lose. No, but like you're intentionally trying to when you go to Mount Everest. I mean, yeah. It's like you're probably going to lose a limb if you don't die. So Hanlor, she died on the upper slopes at 8,300 meters, uh, which was only 1,000 meters away from Camp 4. And she's actually the first German citizen and the first woman to perish on Mount Everest. Well, I mean, body- I don't know if that's something I would want on my like on my resume but that's fair more power to you (laughs) her body remained on everest for years well preserved to the due to the constant below freezing temperatures propped up on her backpack and that's actually how like people would see her she would just be propped up on the backpack but over the years since her head was exposed very well and up in the air and not laying down the wind and exposure strips the body to the skull and that is actually like if you look up a picture of her body it's like very terrifying i mean that sounds terrifying because it's like the muscle's still kind of there yeah. So it's like, I mean, she has like the rest of her skin, but it's mm-hmm. like the face and the top of the head. I was just like, okay. All right, I'm going to Google. One more. Do oh, it. Okay. Why? Uh, image. 
let's see. So in 1984, two uh, Nepalese officers died while attempting to retrieve her body. Um, but it's believed her body was either co- had been either covered by snow or had been pushed over the side of the North Col by the strong winds. Oh no! Because they're like 80 to 90 miles an hour, like them as fast as a hurricane wind up there. I mean, yeah. think about it. You have like hurricane-worthy winds. Freezing temperatures and consistent mm-hmm. snow. Also, um, that is terrifying. I don't like I that. I told you! It's crazy. <laughs> okay, continue. So this is Rob Hall. So Rob Hall's death uh, may be most well-known after his portrayal in the 2015 film Everest. Very good movie. Go watch it, guys. <laughs> he is actually a guide in his own company, Adventure Consultants. And by the way to um, hike Mount Everest is $69,000. I looked up Adventures Consultants because they're actually still like they're actually still a business. You can actually hire them to go consult you. They actually go with you up there, but they keep you safe. That's the whole point of theirs is to get you to climb Mount Everest as safe as possible. I mean, um, I get that, but I just that's, that's so much money. That's 10 weeks. To potentially die. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. is it worth it? Again, is it? And you're going to be cold, man. Yes. That's my whole thing. I guess because I have low iron. Yeah. I'm very worried about it. That makes sense. Okay, so he was a guide in his own company, Adventure Consultants. So Rob would actually reach the summit with a few of his clients, and he actually started to descend. But on his way down, he ran into Doug Hansen, another one of his clients who kind of like got left behind, but he was struggling on his way up. But Doug had been told to abandon the trip by the Sherpa, like, that was on their team. But Doug, this was, like, Doug's second trip. Um, mm-hmm. And he didn't, re- like, he was only, like, 300 feet from the peak when he, like, on his first trip. So, like, he was determined to reach the top this time. Which, like, more power to, to you. That's, like, a lot of money and yeah. a lot of time spent to get so close. Yeah. And not be able to do it. So, Doug was, like... I'm going, like, no. And so, despite everybody's warnings, he went, and Rob actually helped him go up there. And they actually did make it. They were successfully um, able to summit. But this is also the same day as the blizzard of 1996 that killed uh, Green Boots. So, it had begun, and they were on the peak when this happened. So, shortly after they started back down, Rob had radioed for help had because Doug had just he collapsed under exhaustion and now he was unconscious and they're very close to the peak mm-hmm. so Andy Harris which was another company guide started up with tanks of oxygen to help the two because now they're running out of oxygen mm-hmm. but Andy unfortunately was half a day late so Rob had radioed to base to let them know that Doug was now dead and that Andy had reached them but then they lost each other because the visibility is zero mm-hmm. So, okay, listen, I get Rob's purpose for being on the mountain. That's his job. Yeah. Everybody else, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, so I, I don't understand why you'd want that to be your job, but that's that's well, another thing. Well, he has successfully, he did successfully summit like five times, I think. Yeah. But anyways, so Andy, I think, ended up dying. I, I can't remember, but Rob died... Eventually, and he was around 8,690 meters, which was like super close to the peak. And his body was found about a week later, but he's still on the mountain to this I day. Mean, he's still on the mountain. That was his life, so it makes sense that. That's yeah, where he, but he his never met his place. kid. He never met his kid, and his wife was pregnant 
with the baby and she was doing like four like three months like when he was returning when he was supposed to return back i hate that she was supposed to be giving birth and he wanted to name her sarah and in um but the wife didn't but when they died um she named him sarah because that's what he wanted and i don't know if this is true but in the movies like they were like they put the wife on the phone and they put them on the radio and he like told her goodbye and i was like <laughs> that's really sad okay. I, I don't know if that. that actually happened yeah it would have been really sweet if it did okay so scott fisher who is also in 1996 so scott was also featured in the 2015 everest film jake gyllenhaal plays him <laughs> jake if you if you don't know by now brit is a very big swifty so that's how she feels about jake gyllenhaal <laughs> give her back the scarf jake <laughs> That's all she wants. So he was another company guide, but his company was Mountain Madness. So Scott had actually exerted himself the previous day, descending to help a friend who had fallen ill. But by the time Scott had summited, he was already, like, exhausted and he was showing symptoms of it. Two Sherpas had come to aid Scott, and another one brought oxygen, but they could not get him down. Like, he just collapsed and was there. Anatoly... Bukharif also came to help Scott, but found him down. Uh, at this point, he was dead. So, and uh, and totally tried to remove Scott's body, like off the main path, and then he covered his face, like out of respect. And I thought that was like that's yeah. a sweet thing to do. Yeah. So this is Shira Shaha Chlorfine. I think it's I think it's Shreya. Shreya. So and so she's actually a Canadian woman who was born in Nepal. Okay. Um, so sh- in 2012, Sharia made the summit successfully but was unable to retreat to camp. 2012 was actually the worst death rate, seeing 12 people die on the mountain since the 1996 blizzard. 12 people like dying that year. So Sharia made it to the top successfully and was taking videos and pictures of the summit, but she spent over 25 minutes up there and she was using like her oxygen the entire time. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, when you reach the peak, maybe be there for, like, five minutes, but you want to head back down, like, yeah. as soon as you get up there. Because, like, I get wanting to linger because it's, like, you spent so long trying to get to that point. So, it's, like, you want to, like, take it in. But if it's it's Mount Everest, you're not going to be able to breathe up there. <laughs> like, <Mm-mm. sighs> um, So, she eventually... Su- just like it collapsed to exhaustion on the way back down but she to be fair had been climbing for over 17 hours nonstop. yeah so she actually died at 8,000 meters and her body was draped with a canadian flag months later uh sharia's body was finally retrieved successfully and brought da- down to camp two and then she was flew home by a helicopter that's good so this is francis and sergi's arsentif Francis and Sergei are sent you. Oh, my bad. Okay. Um, she's better known as like Sleeping Beauty, but in 1998, Arsene set out to become the first American woman to summit Mount Everest without bottled oxygen. Girl. I know. Her and Sergei, or Sergei. 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 I thought Sergei was with an A. Mm-mm. And then Sergei. Okay. Her and uh, Sergey achieved this, but as they came back down, they ran into horrible weather. So on their night descent towards Camp 6, Sergey lost his wife, and when he arrived at the camp, she wasn't there because he was thinking, like, if he could get back to camp, she would probably be there. Mm -hmm. He went up to find her. Like, he went back up, but he took oxygen with him this time. And in Uzbekistan, team spotted uh, Francis on their way up. 
She was still alive, but she was suffering from frostbite at this point, and she was only a few hundred meters from the summit, so she didn't really make it that far down. Mm-hmm. Um, but the team attempted to help her down and gave her a tank of oxygen, but she was unable to stand. So that's a good like thing yeah. to do. Yeah, you could give them if you have one. Don't give them yours, but yeah. give them something. Yeah, and I, I feel like like I know that things get like heavier the higher you go but having extra oxygen i feel like is better than not having enough like i think a lot of times like with these uh consultant companies that'll actually like mountaineer for you i think they stash oxygen at certain points Mm -hmm. so that they're able to retrieve them yeah which is i guess is another reason if you're gonna climb mount everest i recommend doing it like research but do it with a company that's gonna keep you safe yeah at the end of the day you don't want to be on my podcast because yeah. your body's on Mount Everest. Yeah, that's not the ideal end to your story. <laughs> so the team tried to help her, gave her a tank of oxygen, but she wasn't able to stand. So then they actually tried attaching her to a rope and pulling her down the mountain. But eventually she they had to give up and left to save themselves. Mm-hmm. So, on the same team's descent, they ran into Sergey, who was still looking for her. So, he still hadn't found her, which I was like, oh. Another pair of climbers were making the summit, and they spotted Frances still alive. At this point, her oxygen had run out, and the rope was still attached to her waist. She was talking to them, but she was repeating things over and over, and she wasn't responsive to them, or and she wasn't moving. So, she was just, like, sitting there, just repeating stuff. So the pair of climbers attempted to rescue her, but eventually had to leave her there to save themselves, like the first team. So uh, Frances actually ended up dying. Her body remained high on Everest and well-preserved. And Mm -hmm. then the term Sleeping Beauty was given to her after a climber described the way she rested. um, Because she just lays there like this. Very sweet. Sergey disappeared and wasn't seen after the Uzbek, Uzbek team spotted him going up. A year later, his body was found lower down the mountain by a climbing, a different climbing team. And he, had, he, what happened was he had actually taken a fall off the side of the mountain while he was going up, and he actually died there. And his body still remains there. Ugh. So in, yeah, I know. So in 2007, Francis' body was reco- uh, was covered in an American flag, and then they pushed her body over the edge of Everest. I think partly to be with Sergey, but also out of respect. Yeah. So, anyways. Ugh. That's it. That's all I have. That was intense. It was good, though. I mean, yeah, it's it's good. But it's I'm, interesting. It's definitely interesting. It was just... I, it, I disassociate too much. <laughs> mood. But, yeah, it was just... That was, a, that was a lot. It's heavy. I guess I never really thought about how many people go up there and then don't come back. Because, like, I didn't think Most the number... Most of them. Yeah, it's like, I didn't, I didn't think that the number was as high as it was. I guess. Well, you also would think that they would, more people would probably die on the way up than on the way down, but Mm -hmm. it's actually reversed. They die. I guess because you, your adrenaline, I think what it boils down to is the adrenaline rush to get up there. Mm -hmm. And then once you're up there, it's over. You see the top and then you can't get back down. I think that's what happens a lot of time. Yeah. And that's probably the. The that's single probably, thing keeping anybody going. Yeah, and the adrenaline. Yeah, and that's also like the hardest part about it is like they made it to the top, but they just couldn't get back down. And because it's like usually 
going downhill is the easier part you know it's like what if if you're ever like walking uphill you're like out of breath and exhausted and then you like going downhill it's it's usually a much easier i mean they can't much easier climb climb, but the air is so thin up there like you can't i think you can't fly a helicopter past six thousand meters because it's so thin yeah i mean that would explain why like it's very difficult to rescue a body from up there because they would have to yeah. carry it down to a level where a helicopter could come and get it. And yeah, so that's... Well, and then ooh. you're risking the, like, the people who tried to rescue yeah. Shira's, uh, not Shira's, um, the other body. Yeah. It just, it makes me so sad, this last one, because, like, he was looking for his wife and she was still know, alive for a long time. they didn't even split up in groups like the first people. And more. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he died trying Drive to find his like, wife. Fuck her, man. I'm going up there. Yeah. Um, he, he probably was very sad. It's. But also, you warned your wife not to go, and you still let her go. Yeah. I'm not saying like he like men should control, but I would expect my husband to not let me make a dumb decision. Yeah. Then again, if she's like stubborn enough to be like, I'm still doing it, then at that point, take her like- oxygen away and be like, sorry. <laughs> Because it's like at that point, like they're an adult, so I guess they they I have guess, to be in control but... of their own life. But yeah, it's like if I was really worried about my husband or my wife, like climbing because there was like bad, like I'd bad be like, weather you're coming. Wait, girl. Yeah, it's like wait here until it is safe, and then we can go. Yeah, like, I've been like, you need to chillax, home skillet. Yeah, rest it. Cause not like, gonna risk it for no biscuit. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like I would rather get there alive than risk not getting there and dying in the process. You know, like. And if you guys watch the Everest movie, it actually like put it into perspective. So it takes like forty days to fully ascend. Yeah. But they have camps stationed along the way, so like that's why when people say they made it back to camp two yeah they were able to go all the way to camp two it's it's really it's a really good movie which is obviously based on scott fisher and rob hall's death but it puts in perspective how hard it actually is to climb mount yeah. everest because you can think it but unless you like witness something mm-hmm. like you're not it's not really gonna put two and two together so that's why well that's another reason why i wanted to watch the movie but mm-hmm. Watching it really helped me, and I'm sure some things were exaggerated in it, but it really helped me put in perspective how dangerous it actually is. Yeah. Whew. Well, thanks for thanks for that downer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, was, it was it was definitely a lot of interesting information, but yeah, it was like that's I blame sad. TikTok. Yeah, blame TikTok. My, uh, I blame TikTok for everything, so that's okay. <laughs> all my bonus episode ideas are from TikTok. That's that's valid. Uh, my next bonus episode idea, that's rough. You guys are going to have to stick around. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I want to stick around. <laughs> I mean, I guess all of them are technically rough. Like, it's a show about I, death and murder and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like, some are rougher than others. Yeah. So. Also, I've disassociated it, clearly. <laughs> that was me the other day. I was just sitting in the media room eating chili and watching true crime stuff. So, I feel that. No, but seriously, Mount Everest is... <laughs> the more i hear like every single story i was just like why why like what was it worth it no no you lost your life and like what for what 
So you can say you climb Mount Everest? Like, for, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I guess. to brag about it. But the, I don't know, the, the statistics, I, no, it's not worth it to me. But more power to you, I guess, if you decide to do it. But <laughs> like, be prepared to not come back. That's That's what I got from that. I don't know. I mean, I get it. For, like, the adventure purposes. But, but there like, are so many other mountains that you can climb. Just because it's not Mount Everest doesn't mean it's not a mountain. <laughs> I don't know. But that's... I'm I'm not the person to ask about this <laughs> stuff. I, I refuse to do, like, hiking. Just normal hiking, so... <laughs> I can't get in the... I need to work out so bad. And I want to do it in the mornings, but then I have to wake up earlier. Because I'm very much the type of person to wake up 20 minutes before I have to leave. And then I want to do it after I get off work. But when I get off work, I'm fucking exhausted. It's valid. So, I don't know. This was, I think, my favorite. Not, like, favorite, because it's mm-hmm. really sad. Because I don't have a favorite. But it was the most interesting yeah. case, I think, I it's, it's definitely a whole lot of information that, like, I didn't know about. So I learned a whole lot from this one. But also, like, it's... Yeah. I mean, it like you said, it is very sad. Like, I'm not making fun of anybody who lost their life in the process of doing this. It's just, to me, I don't see how that's worth it. But somebody, like, if somebody has answers for me, I am more than willing to listen. So... That is all for us today. We are on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on Facebook at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. And we are on YouTube also at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We have our website, which is either shockinglywicked.com or shockinglywickedpodcast.com. You can find us either way, it'll take you to the same website. We also have our Patreon, which is Shockingly Wicked Podcast, if I remember correctly. So sign up to be a patron. We have three different tiers. You get extra content. You get full, depending on the tier you're on, you can get full access to interviews, unedited. I'm not touching them, so (laughs) whatever is said is said. And then uh, you get like bonus episodes. You get just a whole lot of stuff. So check it out. See if any of that interests you and sign up. We appreciate any support that you give us. Yeah, because everything that you put into the podcast is going right back. All that yeah. money. You yeah, will it goes see. back into the podcast. It goes into making this better for you guys because without you, none of this would be possible. So thank you again for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.